1: You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network.
0: Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at f one pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to your Wednesday and welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. Mark Daly here and Wednesday guys, middle of the week and for soccer fans around there, around the world, yes that means that tomorrow, Thursday marks the beginning of Russia 2018. and I can't wait to watch the World Cup. I'm going to try and watch as much World Cup as I can possibly fit in over the next month, of course, interspersed as much as possible with Formula One. And of course, this weekend, Le Mans, all good things to, to watch and different things to enjoy. So, well, in other news, <laughs> I'm up to my elbows, literally, and home improvements here been working on our making some changes around the house and we've been doing drywalling and painting and I'm not really a fan of home improvements and renovations and things like that, and I just can't wait for it to be over. (laughs) I'll be perfectly honest with you. We've been doing it now for a couple of weeks, and it's just getting to the point now that I I just want it done. (laughs) I'm tired of being covered in plaster and dust and paint and the whole house smelling of all these different building materials. I'm just ready to get back to normal. Whatever our normal is, I want it to come back again. But let's talk about what we're here for. Yes, Formula One, the Canadian Grand Prix went last weekend and was won by Sebastian Vettel. And boy, was that not a convincing, convincing win for Sebastian. I had uh, wondered how that was going to turn out, especially going in to the first corner at Cirque Gilles Villeneuve. The, the the track, of course, after the start-finish uh, line does bend slightly to the right before it tar- turns sharply left going into the uh, Senna-S there and has been been the location of some very interesting moments over the years and of course there was an interesting one between Sergio Perez and Carlos Sainz during the the race but by and large they made it through that first uh, couple of corners nice and clean and Sebastian Vettel really did not get challenged by anyone. I I would say, honestly, the biggest amount of action happened on, well, about halfway through the first lap when um, Brendan Hartley in the Toro Rosso and Lance Stroll in the Williams came together. Uh, Brendan getting squeezed between Lance. He was going trying to go around the outside of him. So he got squeezed between Lance and the wall, ended up getting slightly airborne, and the both of them came crashing to a screeching halt just a, a little bit further down the track. Fortunately, neither of them were hurt and I really don't know how to chalk this one up and really assign blame if there's any the the angles that I saw of that incident was it uh, was kind of hard to tell you, you did see Hartley trying to go around Stroll and, and Stroll's car lurching a little bit to the left and, and Stroll immediately got onto the radio saying something by a, about a puncture I, I don't know if maybe the end plate on Hartley's front wing maybe nicked Stroll's left rear tire and punctured it but uh, that notwithstanding a bit of of a scary moment but I think both of those guys were obviously quite relieved uh, and happy of course to, to walk away from that and what do you guys think do you think that was a good illustration of the halo doing what the halo is supposed to do because that, that of course could have been very very scary but yeah after uh, several laps behind the behind the safety car uh, Sebastian I thought did an excellent job of uh, really uh, bringing the pack together and then just putting the the hammer down and and pulling away nicely and that was about re- that was about it really uh, the the top 6 there wasn't really too much uh, changing around it got a little bit kind of mixed up as the 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 top 3 teams made their stops and uh, things kind of shook out that way but at the uh, The end of the day, uh, Sebastian Vettel stayed out uh, as long as he needed to, and when he came back out, he still had a a healthy lead over Valtteri Bottas in the Williams. Sorry, Valtteri Bottas in the Williams. Hello, Mark. It is not 2016 any longer. Valtteri, of course, is a Mercedes driver, so I'm just going to blame that one on uh, an aching body and all the paint fumes in the house here, confusing me (laughs) a little bit. But yeah. I was a little bit kind of disappointed to to be quite honest. Obviously, you're if you're a fan of Ferrari, if you're a fan of Sebastian Vettel, you're going to be extremely happy with that result. And of course, uh the the big ta- talking point about that is what with Lewis Hamilton finishing in 5th position means that Sebastian Vettel leapfrogged him in the driver's uh, championship and now is leading uh, Lewis Hamilton by a single point. Uh, but of course <laughs> there is a long long way to go and uh sebastian currently on 121 points with lewis on 120 and valtteri bottas and uh, danny ricardo re- literally tied neck and neck for third and fourth place in the championship uh, bottas with 86 points and daniel ricardo with uh, with 84 so let's look at some of the uh, the issues that were going around some of the talking points from the canadian grand prix and this is one one story that came out in the aftermath and f1 pundit and color commentator Martin Brundle, of course, a a former Formula One driver himself, has said, quote, Kimi Raikkonen has reached the end of the road in Formula One. And uh, Martin goes on to say that he believes that uh, Raikkonen cannot be trusted by uh, Ferrari to be an effective teammate to to Sebastian Vettel. And uh, well, I mean, it's kind of I kind of agree with Martin to, to be quite honest. Uh, Kimmy, he had, uh, an opportunity to qualify well, but made a mistake in uh, the end of Q3 when he got up, uh, got a little bit loose. And then, uh, yeah, it was disappointing. <laughs> and then he uh, ended up qualifying in, in P5, finished the race in, in P6. And honestly, I mean, I love Kimmy Riken. I mean, he's obviously still one of the most popular drivers in Formula One. He's a former world champion, but. Ferrari, I think, really want to take back the uh, the crown of Formula One that has uh, belonged to uh, Mercedes over the past several seasons. And then before them uh, was uh, was obviously Red Bull was the dominant team. And we're a long way from the Ferrari glory years of Eddie, sorry, not Eddie Irvine. <laughs> well, he was there, of course, of Michael Schumacher and Ross Braun and Jean Tote when they were absolutely dominant in the, the late 1990s and the early 2000s. Uh, Michael obviously winning five- World world championships, and God only knows how many constructors championships. So Ferrari, obviously keen to get back there. And we sometimes, I think as fans, we forget that even though that we have our favorite drivers, uh, we might be Verstappen fans or Hamilton fans or Raikkonen fans or Vettel fans, whoever it might be. We, we, we always tend to cheer for those uh, th- those guys, or at least I do cheer for my favorite drivers rather than the, uh, the than the team itself. But when it comes to the, the championship itself, I think that first and foremost, the, the, the impression I get is from the teams is that it's always the Constructors' Championship because that's more reflective of the effort that the team puts in as a whole, right down from the designers and the engineers and the mechanics and the people that ma- manufacture the components and Everybody that uh, has a hand in uh, designing, and building that car and running the team, that's that's all what they do. That is the team effort. Whereas the the driver's championship, at least in my opinion, is more of a, a personal honor. Of course, uh, you can have all the talent in the world in a terrible car and uh, you're not going to, to win anything. And uh, Fernando Alonso, I'm referring to you specifically. Poor old Fernando. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, Anyway, so uh, Ferrari obviously is getting the bulk of their points in the Constructors' Championship, not just this year, but over the past couple of years, uh, almost, well it's probably two thirds from Sebastian Vettel and maybe a third from uh, Kimi Reich and maybe not quite that extreme. Maybe it's a, a little bit less on Seb's side and a little bit more on Kimi's side. But when when you look at the driver's championship at the moment, uh, like I say, uh, Seb on top with 121 points, 120 for Lewis Hamilton, 86 for Valtteri Bottas and only 68 for Kimi Raikkonen. And then of course, when you look at it in the uh, constructors championship, 206 for Mercedes and 189 from Ferrari. Ferrari. Ferrari again I mean it's not really all that far in the season we're only about a third of the way through so there's a lot of races still left to go but if uh, Martin Brundle's uh, point is valid if Kimi is not being able to deliver the goods in Formula One anymore then we'll steadily see that that gap increase but if uh, Ferrari still managed to have weekends like they did in Canada, and uh, Raikkonen can get some better uh, finishes, uh, get some better results, then they can they can close that gap. And who knows, maybe even even surpass uh, Mercedes at the top of the constructors' championships. And I think, especially over the past three races, you look at the Spanish Grand Prix, then you look at Monaco, and then you look at the Canadian Grand Prix, and you look at each one of those teams, each one of the drivers that has won the, those racers, or at least. Have the top three teams, how well they've done in each one of those races. You look at the Spanish Grand Prix about a month ago. How dominant Mercedes was! It was it was literally Lewis Hamilton disappearing down the racetrack, uh, down the racetrack of Barcelona, Valtteri Bottas in second, and Max Verstappen in a very respectable third place in Spain. Then you look at Monaco. <clears throat> And a bit disappointing, obviously, from Verstappen, who had a crash in free practice three, ended up starting at the back of the grid, but completely dominant from uh, Daniel Ricardo all the way through. And, and Max, of course, is too. They they did very good in the in the practice sessions, but it was all Daniel Ricardo. It was it was absolutely, I thought, riveting to watch qualifying for Monaco. It just seemed every time Danny Rick went out on the track, he just got faster and faster and faster, he kept Breaking the track record and kept it seemed every time he went out he kept the bettering his time each and every each and every lap he was out there It was exciting to watch and of course he managed to hang on and win that race after suffering a mechanical problem when the, uh, k failed in his car on about lap 20 and did something like 55 or 58 laps down about 150 horsepower. But, you know, that notwithstanding, if he, uh, didn't have that mechanical issue, I think he would have been, uh, he would have been more than a match for the Ferrari. I mean, obviously, uh, Vettel never really got chance to, uh, challenge Danny Ricardo for the lead in Monaco, even though, uh, Ricciardo was, uh, was suffering, uh, that, that mechanical problem. But it, it was really suited to the Red Bull. And then this past weekend, it was all Ferrari uh, disappointing. Like I say about uh, Riken and not being able to deliver, but Sebastian Vettel, it was like, it was almost very similar to the, the kind of weekend we saw last year for Lewis Hamilton. He, he went into Canada after uh, Mercedes had a terrible, terrible Monaco Grand Prix two weeks uh, prior to that and then came into Canada and dominated all weekend long. It, it was it was a feel-good story for Lewis. He equaled Senna's uh, pole, career pole positions that weekend, went on and, and walked it in the race and it was almost the same thing for Ferrari this weekend. So what's it going to be like in a couple of weeks at the French Grand Prix at Circuit Paul Ricard? Well, that's, <laughs> that's the $64,000 question. We haven't had a Formula One race there in a very long time. So it will be something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Right. So moving along to the next piece of news and Lewis Hamilton says that thinking we aren't good enough is the first sign of weakness and Hamilton is still confident that the Mercedes is capable of giving him a car that uh, will help him win this year's driver's championship which would be his uh, fifth and he was well obviously like I'm saying he was disappointing finishing in fifth position Mercedes has put off their their latest engine upgrade for a couple of races they were going to introduce it in Canada like a, a lot of the other teams and uh, engine manufacturers usually do they have uh, their their upgrades when they come back and start the European season. We've seen these uh, these upgrades introduced at the Canadian Grand Prix before. And Lewis had an overheating issue on his engine, which caused intermittent and occasional power loss, and really kept him from really challenging or really doing anything notable in the in, entire Grand Prix. And when was the last time that we really heard that? I mean, uh, Mercedes, especially in the turbo hybrid era, have been literally bulletproof. Have had uh, more than enough power and obviously being the engine the best engine out there for the past several years so to see them having those sorts of issues is a little bit surprising but just looking at his uh, his teammate Valtteri Bottas even though uh, even though uh, Bottas uh, came back in uh, second place he thought uh, that it was uh, not going to happen he said that his fuel situation was actually critical and just uh, barely managed to stay in front of Max Verstappen when he got to to the finish line and uh, unusual to hear that uh, from uh, from from Mercedes uh, obviously Lewis saying that he felt like his engine was going to, to, to fail with this overheating problems and uh, Botas saying that he is uh, basically on fumes crossing the line seems very un-Mercedes-like. Yeah, they, they, like I say, I mean, they uh, have the engine, the best engine, and they've always had the best tactics and almost seem to have the best luck if uh, you're a, a believer in random luck rather than you do the little things properly, which in turn helps you manufacture your own luck to a certain degree. But yeah, interesting, like I say, over the past three races, how each one of these circuits has been uh, suited to each each one of the, the, the top three teams. And I, I think it bodes well for, for the championship. If you look in the fact that uh, it, it's been a real toss-up between the, the, the top three teams and all of them have had uh, their, their turns on the top st- step of the podium. Obviously, there was a little bit of luck in China for Red Bull. But hey, like I say, you do the little thing right or the little things right and uh, and, and things Tend to work out for you uh, well, i mean in, in that race, they double stacked their cars underneath the safety car. It was a very bold move, and it paid off they They caught Mercedes and uh, Ferrari napping to a certain extent or thinking that uh, that, that their strategy was going to last the, rest of the uh, last the rest of the race, and uh, they were beaten fair and square. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how this goes the rest of the season. But if you think that uh, perhaps Bodas gets uh, another result going his way, maybe Ricardo gets uh, another victory or a couple of uh, seconds or thirds or whatever it might be going forward, how that might uh, shake up the championship. And, you know, honestly, I think it's great. As uh, refreshing as it was last year to see Ferrari and Vettel in a stronger position to challenge uh, Lewis Hamilton, especially, and Mercedes. I thought it was nice, even though that they did fade later in the year, it, it wasn't as uh, much uh, Mercedes uh, or, or Ferrari and Mercedes uh, in, in the, the second half of the season as it was maybe in the first half. But it was refreshing because, of course, prior to that, uh, the, the three seasons before that was just Lewis Hamilton and uh, Nico Rosberg going back and forth at it. So, I mean, it wasn't so much. Uh, well, I mean, it was. <laughs> the championship went down to, between those two guys, those two Mercedes drivers for those couple of years. And unless you were a Lewis fan or a Nico fan, the, the odds were that that somebody else other than those two drivers were going to win the the, the world championship were, were pretty slim. So to, to be in the, the position that we are right now, seven races into the season, and, uh, with, with Hamilton and Vettel running neck and neck and guys like Botas and Ricardo, you know, they're, they're only a stone's throw away. I mean, let's not, let's be honest. I mean, uh, Botas with 86 points really isn't that far behind Sebastian Vettel. And who knows, uh, if, uh, Botas could get a couple of wins and uh, Seb or, uh, Hamilton, it didn't have the results go their way i mean it can happen it's a long season and and weird things and and unfortunate things do happen in formula 1 and it can turn around quite quickly so it uh, it could really become interesting from here on out and i think it's a a great thing for Formula One. And also, I think that this past weekend in Canada, a P3 for Max Verstappen, that was a great result. I think that uh, that was something that that Max really needed. Uh, I think he really needed to, to settle down, obviously. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, of controversy surrounding Max Verstappen over the previous races and weeks and months, and uh, something's always happened. I mean, Monaco, I thought that he did recover pretty good. I mean, starting from the the back of the grid, they had a solid strategy for that race. They probably were hoping for a safety car, which didn't uh, materialize. I know he had a couple of... uh, Touchy moments in the race, but he managed to keep his, himself mostly clean <laughs> during the race. But uh, this week in Montreal, he traveled alone uh, for the entire race weekend. Usually, he has his uh, you know if you want to call it his uh, his hangers on, his entourage, wh- whatever you want to call him. Usually, his dad, Yoss uh, Verstappen, of course, uh, another former Formula One driver is always uh, always there most of the time. But I think it was uh, probably good for Max Verstappen just to have a little bit of space and just not that his his family especially his dad or our distraction but uh i think that it seems to have worked well and that uh, max could just get uh, get out there and just concentrate and just just basically focus what was happening on the track or in the garage with his car. And I think that uh, it, it really paid off for him. Uh, unfortunately for him, he got so very close to challenging Valtteri Bottas for P2, but uh, just uh, couldn't get close enough to, to, uh, to really challenge for him soon enough before the end of the race. But very well for Max, or very well done for Max. And uh, it, it's been a rough year and a half, for and after that uh, brilliant year that he had in 2016 and obviously winning his first formula 1 race at the Spanish Grand Prix a couple of years ago uh, being becoming the, the the youngest ever driver to win a grand prix in formula 1 was fantastic last year poor Max was uh, plagued by more than his fair share of uh, mechanical issues. I mean, let, let's be honest about it. There were way too many things that went wrong on his car way too many times uh, for Max Verstappen in 2016. And uh, Formula One needs him. I mean, Max is an extremely exciting driver. I've been critical about him before on the show, and uh, and that's only fair. I mean, that's part of what, uh, what I do here and what uh, Kevin does. That's part of our prerogative. But we recognize that uh, Max is an extremely talented uh, Formula One driver, I, I think it's pretty fair to say that he has all the attributes and all the tools uh, that uh, to be successful in Formula One. And certainly he has uh, what it takes, at least from what we've seen over the past couple of years, that, uh, that he has all the makings of a, a potential Formula One world champion in the future. Right. Well, sticking with the uh, the Max Verstappen theme, Nico Rosberg, himself a former Formula One World Championship, Nico winning in 2016, of course, says that Max's attitude in Canada was exactly what uh, he needed to do. And he said it really reminded him of uh, of Lewis Hamilton that uh, when he gets angry, he does better. And uh, that's exactly, I think, what uh, he was getting uh, at when, uh, when referring to Max Verstappen, that because he was racing angry, because he was Focused and really buckling down and getting on top of uh, of things that uh, that is very Lewis Hamilton like. You, know, you can almost tell with Lewis that when when he's focused and he's angry and uh, he's really he wants to go out there and, and get it done. That there is nobody quicker. There's nobody better than Lewis Hamilton. Of course, I mean Lewis is one of the best, not of the well, obviously of the current uh, era but of uh, Formula One all time. I mean, the guy is a fantastic Formula One driver. I mean, uh, talented and fast, like you wouldn't believe. And uh, the, the thing is that when Lewis is on form and the car is held up beneath him, is uh, is, is uh, performing the way it is, there's there's almost no way you're going to beat Lewis Hamilton. I mean, we've we've proven that, we're seeing that proven by Lewis year after year after year. And uh, although I think that uh, Nico Rosberg was a good driver that's, he had to push himself to the absolute limit to try and compete with lewis hamilton and i think that's why he uh, he walked away from formula 1 that he when he did it was just so much of a, a mental and physical exertion to to stay on top of the game, to try and match Lewis Hamilton and just uh, still not always quite being able to, to do it. And then just when, when there were, were those instances when he was as quick as Lewis, Lewis would still be able to turn it up a notch or two and then uh, find some, some more speed somewhere. So I, I think that it's it's a quite a flattering remark from uh, Nico Rosberg to compare uh, Max Verstappen to Lewis Hamilton. Like I was just saying, I think that uh, that uh, Max has all the, the the makings of a potential Formula One world champion. And uh, well, if he races uh, like that when he's angry, then that's good for him <laughs> and promising. If you're a Max Verstappen fan. So, well, let's talk now a little bit about uh, Verstappen's team. And uh, Renault has said that Red Bull, obviously Max, a Red Bull driver, has to make a decision regarding the 2019 engine choice sometimes this week. Red Bull has been saying that they were planning to make an announcement or choose between Honda and Renault by the end of uh, June. Uh, This is a bit of an ongoing saga for those of you that have been uh, following the news for the past uh, month or so. Originally, uh, Renault had said that they wanted uh, an answer by the middle of May. Obviously, that's come and gone over, well, pretty much a a month ago now. And uh, Red Bull still weighing up their options between Renault and Honda. And uh, they're, they're not really, haven't really said anything yet. They're playing their cards pretty close. To their chest, and uh, the Renault boss uh, Cyril Abtiboul has said that uh, they they've made an offer, and uh, that it's up to, to Red Bull to respond in the next couple of days because uh, they need to start sourcing parts and components to to start building their power units for 2019. And well, that's a fair remark, but also I think that they want a, a proper commitment uh, by uh, by by Red Bull if they're going to stick with them, or if they're going to to uh, to switch over to Honda. Of course, uh, they're getting all that data from uh, Toro Rosso. Which is their their junior team, but just interesting. Uh, even though uh, they finished uh, in uh, three and four places, three and four at the Canadian Grand Prix with uh, Max and Daniel Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo was saying that the, uh, the his Renault engine in the, the back of his RB fourteen just it struggled. It wasn't uh, as good as uh, the engine that uh, that Max had. Uh, of course, um, Ricardo was dealing with some issues. Uh, he did have a uh, that that uh, MGUK failure in Monaco, uh, so there was. Uh, he he did manage to avoid a ten uh, grid pace uh, penalty at the Canadian Grand Prix because instead of slapping a new one on there, they were able to put back the MGUK that he had in the Chinese Grand Prix. So it was kind of a little bit mix and match, and it uh, it didn't really. Work out. I mean, he did avoid, uh, of of course, uh, avoid that big grid penalty, but he wasn't really able to to match the pace that Max had the entire uh, weekend. He was behind his teammate in practice and qualifying in the race. And I think if you ask any Ricardo, I'm sure he was uh, more than happy with a P4 in Canada, just uh, dealing with that fact. But hopefully, he can go to uh, Paul Ricard in France in a couple of weeks and have uh, <laughs> have some much uh, much better uh, luck. And on the Honda side, uh, as I was just mentioning, they do have Honda engines in uh, the junior team, Scuderia Toro Rosso, and uh, Honda upgraded their power units uh, for the Canadian Grand Prix. And uh, Toro Rosso driver Pierre Gasly believes that the new spec Honda power unit allowed him to finish three places higher in the Canadian Grand Prix. And uh, Gasly was using it without uh, or throughout practice, but then he reverted to a, an older specification. But they did eventually put a new spec power unit into his his uh, car which uh, demoted him from 16th to 19th uh, place on the grid but actually I mean uh, Gasly did pretty good he he managed to finish 11th uh, after all that I mean that doesn't sound all that uh, impressive but he uh, really feels that uh, that the that the new Honda power unit the new and improved Honda engine is much better it's much more efficient and it's got much more power so very very interesting and uh, we'll have to wait and see how soon it's going to take Honda and uh, uh, well, not just Honda, but uh, how soon it's going to take Red Bull to make a decision and whether or not uh, they're leaning towards Honda or Renault or whatever the, the, the case may be. But sounds like their engine potential engine uh, suppliers are starting to ratchet up the pressure a little bit. And uh, talking about Pierre Gasly's teammate at Toro Rosso, uh, New Zealander Brendan Hartley is, uh, well, as we were talking about earlier in the, in the show, he was involved in that, uh, that big nasty crash with Lance Stroll on the opening lap. And Red Bull motorvo- Motorsport advisor Helmut Marko has said that uh, Hartley's uh, crash with Lance Stroll is not impacting his Formula One future. Of course, last week, the news surfaced that Toro Rosso had extended an offer to uh, Lando Norris, who is a uh, contract to uh, McLaren to take over uh, Hartley's seat to, at to Toro Rosso. Uh, reportedly, the uh, the reason why that deal didn't go through is that the uh, sorry uh, Toro Rosso wanted Hartley to uh, basically vacate, I think it was uh, after the French Grand Prix, and uh, have uh, Lando Norris take over in time for Austria, which would be one race before the British Grand Prix later this summer, and then have him stay for the rest of this year and then into 2019. And of course, the I think it was the 2019 part that uh, McLaren didn't like, and when you look at what's happening with uh, with McLaren on the track and uh, Fernando Alonso, who suffered, I think, the only mechanical failure and mechanical uh, related retirement to the Canadian Grand Prix this past uh, weekend with an exhaust issue in his 300, uh, 300th Grand Prix, nonetheless, uh, really makes me speculate and think that perhaps we are looking at the latter moments of uh, the the final moments, I should say, of Fernando's career in Formula One. I think that if you look at the doomsday clock of uh, Fernando's F1 career, it's probably about 11 uh, 11 o'clock, 59 minutes and about 59 and a quarter seconds. I think that uh, I, I just get the, the the gut feeling that uh, Fernando is gonna walk at the end of the year he doesn't have a contract in Formula One for 2019 and McLaren again boy they were just nowhere this weekend uh, they uh, their, their cars did not qualify well uh, for the Canadian Grand Prix uh, Fernando um, qualified in 14th van Dorn qualified in 15th and well <laughs> the, uh, the the result was not good uh, of course like I said Fernando did not finish and then uh, his teammate Stoffel Van Dorn finished in P16 and he was lapped twice. I mean, the only cars that were worse than that were the the, the Mercedes uh, powered Williams. Sergey Sorotkin finished uh, two laps down in 17th place. Uh, and it just blows my mind when you look at two teams that have uh, historically been strong in Formula One and uh, you see Both of them have two cars that retired, either through mechanical issues or uh, through an accident. And then the remaining two uh, two cars right at the bottom of the race classification, two laps behind. Boy, McLaren and Williams, geez, hang your heads in shame. Absolutely pathetic. Absolutely disgraceful to see those two teams as far down as uh, as they are, and this is why I think it's a it's a bit of a head scratcher. When you see the news uh, coming out um, this week, uh, I saw on Tuesday that uh, Zach Brown, the CEO of McLaren, is uh, admitted that they are still seriously considering a McLaren entry in IndyCar for for 2019. He says that they're still doing their research and what he says uh, their due diligence. And come on, guys, L- seriously. Formula One, it was uh, where McLaren has uh, really cut their teeth, Uh, very successful in terms of uh, drivers and constructors uh, World Championships. Like get get your house in order in formula one first uh to me it uh, it, it just kind of reeks as a bit of sort of diversionary tactics uh, i think that uh they're they're completely missing the points i can see why they want to be an indy car and uh obviously uh fernando alonso raced there last year and did very very well unfortunately before he uh uh, finished that race or had to, uh, well, he didn't finish the race. He retired early with, I think it was uh, an engine problem. I think his engine blew. I can't remember. I think it was about, roughly about three quarters, maybe two thirds of the way through the, the the 500. But McLaren, I think that, uh, you guys should keep your eyes, keep your thoughts focused on Formula One rather than, than Car. Anyways, before I wrap this one up, just one more interesting little tidbit. And this one was, I think, the WTF moment of the Canadian Grand Prix. And that was, of course, uh, the checkered flag being waved by a supermodel, Winnie Harlow, two laps before the <laughs> the full race distance had been uh, run. And uh, F1 race director, Charlie Whiting, said it was a miscommunication between local track officials. Uh, and that was... Uh, the, well, the result was the checkered flag being waved early, and I, I remember just sort of sitting there watching the races and unfolded and thinking, why, why, are, why is the flag out now? We're we're not done. And uh, Sebastian Vettel, he was on the radio telling them not to wave the checkered flag, and I guess that uh, there there was some concern that uh that there might have been like a track invasion of course uh like you see at many circuits around the world after the the race is over that fans will be able to uh, go onto the track and then make their way over to the the start finish area where they have the, uh, the the podium ceremony uh Canada you, know, you quite often see a lot of fans running down the uh the straight there at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve uh, of course Monza is absolutely amazing with the thousands and thousands of formula 1 fans and the tifosi uh, out there celebrating and having a good time so that was uh, a bit strange but it's uh unusual <laughs> i thought uh, just the way that i understood uh, motorsports and uh, and formula 1 is that when the checkered flag is waved that, that that is the uh, the end of the race regardless if uh, it's uh, waved incorrectly or not but Well, they won another couple of laps. Fortunately, it didn't really impact the final classification. And of course, most importantly, uh, nobody left their seats and did something that they didn't uh, do. So that was disaster averted. Well, guys, I'm going to wrap that up here. I need to go and have a shower. I need to get changed. I need to get this paint smell off of my hands and out of my hair and and just out of my house as well. (laughs) That will come later, but... Uh, I needed to take this break, sit down, talk some formula One with you guys and uh and and just kind of have a bit of a a bit of more normal feeling back in my life. And of course, uh, like I mentioned, off the top of the show, World Cup starts in a couple of days. And my my usual co-host, Kevin Laramie, he's been busy for the past couple of weeks getting uh, uh, prepared for that. And I know that uh, he will be busy on soccer today each and every day throughout the World Cup. So make sure you check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you look up the Sports Podcasting Network on YouTube. All of the shows there are live streamed and then available to watch on demand on, uh, on YouTube. And for those of you that have been following Following the uh, the stream uh, for this show, it's been unfortunately audio only for the past uh, several weeks uh, as uh, Kevin's been off preparing for the World Cup. But once uh, we get back to normal, once uh, the trophy is hoisted in Russia in about uh, four weeks time after the World Cup final, that we will be back to normal here and uh, we will have the video version of this show available as well. Until then, thank you very much for downloading and listening to this show. And please do us a big favor. If you enjoy this show, please go over to your favorite podcast provider. Leave us a five-star review and a rating. Uh, Be it that on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever it is and wherever you can leave us a a review. That would uh, be much appreciated for all the hard work that we put into it and would help make the show visible to other people and would help grow the audience and uh, have a little bit more fun doing what we do here each and every week. But that's it for now. That's a wrap. If you want to get in touch with us, email us at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com or give us a follow on Twitter at scuderiaf1pod. And until next time, thanks for listening. That's a wrap. And we'll talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 Podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to scuderiaf1pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com.
1: You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com. Space. Some regions
0: are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm. Right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha customizable closets with free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers. I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets, or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save thirty percent on Alpha and installation, and earn up to five hundred dollars in credit through February tenth. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?